Did you hear like, oh, we're alive. Yes, did I hear? Yes, I did hear the news that you were about to share with me. But I am Pete. This is the Lasser Cast where we review horror movies and streaming shows. And today, me and my good friend right over there, Dr. Zayas G.O.D., Danny Torkel, uh, we're going to be reviewing the finale of True Detective Night Country. So, Danny, I think, uh, do you want to ask me that question again? Did you hear the news about True Detective right before uh, that I just saw all over social media right before uh, we you sent me a link? Like, dude, I clicked on our thread that we have, and I saw the article right as I was about to send you the link to this recording. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good news for us, right? I think so. So for anybody who doesn't know what I, I'm referring to, uh, it was just announced that uh, True Detective Season 5 has been greenlit and yeah. that they are bringing back writer, director, creator Issa Lopez to do yeah. Season 5. So suck it, haters. Um <laughs> Uh, especially you, Nick P uh, Puzzolato or Pizzoludo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, one of the big talking points and something I'm sure we'll talk about in this review has been the diversity of opinions um, for this season. Yes. And I think, as with a lot of times, it's a very loud minority because yes. what we've seen is that this show has the highest uh, uh, Rotten Tomato rating of any season right. of True Detective, season four, that is. Uh, it is easily the highest, um, the most watched uh, season of True Detective on HBO Max, Max. Uh, it brought in over like 12 and a half million viewers uh, just an insane number of people tuned in for the finale. Yeah. Uh, so the people that have been loudly critical of it, uh, some more, you know, popular than others, uh, they seem to be a very loud minority because apparently most people love this season or at least really liked it. And uh hbo was like you know hey the ratings were good people tuned in let's just do it again um yes. and uh, i already saw people like fan casting their you know two detectives for season five yeah and like in my my favorite one i don't know who tweeted this but my favorite one is somebody posted a picture of kirsten dunst and michelle williams from the movie dick and I was like, that would be fucking hilarious if like, because yeah. it, it's what's what's especially funny is that like those actresses yeah. who were popular when we were younger are actually kind of our age. So it'd be like, oh, wow, they're letting like, you know, women in their early 40s take over. And then I'm like, wait, we're in our early 40s. Fuck. Yeah. And so I feel like that would be good. Um, yes. I've also been spending a lot of this week deep diving into Callie Reese being a professional fucking boxer. How yeah. did I not know this? Yeah. How yeah. did I not know this until the season ended? Yes. And I watched like four of her fight compilations on YouTube. She's yeah. an accomplished 
championship boxer with like a 19 and seven professional record. So yeah. Um, that kind of re it forces me to reevaluate so many of the scenes that we watched where she just randomly walks up to like much larger dudes and just punches them in the face. And I'm like, of course she does. That was her job. Yes. Like her job was to punch people in the face yeah. and she did it very successfully. So now it makes even more sense that she would do that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, Nick Pizzolatto, he um, basically just started retweeting all these negative tweets about the show, right? He's the creator of True Detective. He wrote the first three seasons. And um, Kaylee Reese or whatever, she – or Callie Reese, she responded finally. And she kind of just pointed out how it was kind of like immature or – like, just not cool that he was doing that, you know? And it, it's, it's, it's good. It, it just, I, I, there's nothing about that that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, you know that somehow Nick uh, Pizzolatto is getting name recognition and probably monetary yeah. value. I think he's one of the producers the on the that, show. Yeah. His his name is in the credits. Yeah. Uh so he's getting like residuals sure. in both in both notoriety, fame, and and money. Yeah. So for him to sit at home and bash the series, and, and it's not even that, but it's the, the idea that he's bashing the series, which in turn gives credence <laughs> to these friggin' trolls, you yeah. know, these like basement dwelling trolls who anytime you look at like the real haters of anything on social media you could always tell right away their like user handle has a bunch of random numbers uh <laughs> their profile picture is usually a cartoon that doesn't have their own face yeah uh, there's never there's never any picture of a significant other or children involved. This is these are <laughs> no I I look I, I'm I'm I'll, I'll be because it's the same way with any criticism. Yeah, it's very uh, whether it's the Marvels, whether it is, um, whether whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's Star Wars, whether you know True Detective, the MCU, yeah. you name it, what whatever fandom it is. Yeah. The trolls have a very common profile type. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's it definitely seems like they get angered when women are behind the scenes. Uh, that seems to actually upset them the most. Like Kathleen Kennedy is treated like the Antichrist because she runs Star Wars. Then uh, she's, only, she's only been involved with Spielberg through like some of Spielberg's greatest hits, biggest blockbuster successes, Oscars. Yeah. You know, that's fine. But the second she's like promoted to head of Star Wars, it's like, well, that you're you're ruining my childhood. Uh-oh. Look at this. Someone's joining the party here. Chris Tanafrio. The show got renewed yeah. and Lopez is heading it up. The haters lost. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that you're on board with this too, Chris. Thank you for joining us too, man. Um, this show, it's funny because you and I, I think, have pretty much liked every episode. There was the fourth episode which is pretty depressing but now we're in you know we've reached the finale i want to know how you felt about the way everything was resolved so uh, we get clark pretty early on in this episode 
and Clark, um, they torture him right away. You know, talking <laughs> about like, you know, women in power and stuff like that. Boy, do these women mess up Clark. They torture him. I, I was actually kind of surprised with how they torture him. They take duct tape and wrap the earbuds around his head so he has to listen to Annie Kay screaming on a loop. I thought that was pretty fucked up. What'd you think? I, yeah, I really like that. Um, I, that's something unique. Yeah. Like the, you know, here he is screaming and, and declaring his love for Annie, who we find out that he actually is the one that kills her, even though he didn't start the process of killing her. He does yeah. finish her off. Uh, and for him to like be forced to listen to like her final moments is that's, that's kind of brutal. Uh, but like, also he fucking deserved it. And like, <laughs> you know, you know, one thing that we kind of both said in our episode five review was we were excited, but we were also nervous. Yes. And I think that this episode did a lot to quell the nerves and to stoke the excitement. Um, I think it basically, I, I like that it didn't answer every question. Yes. But it answered the big questions. Yes. Probably uh, my favorite thing about this episode was that there wasn't a supernatural answer for anything. You could read into some of the things that happened and been like, oh, that's a supernatural thing. But in general, everything could be explained with a logical answer. Yeah. Uh, but like, let's also not forget, you know, with all the talking about Nick, uh, you know, uh, Pizza Lotto, uh, there, season one features a, a basically like Lovecraftian like tunnel to outer space in the <laughs> last scene. Uh, in like one of the last scenes of the of the show. So like had they gone in that direction, I think that they kind of teased like this microbe that could have yeah. um like DNA altering effects and like so they they hinted at a lot of stuff, you know. The yeah. thing references were overt in episode yeah. one, they got even more overt in this. Uh, right. this episode. Um, I also just wanted before we moved on to like the, the actual, so just going back to like the haters and this, oh, uh, we spent a back. lot of time. We, we spent a lot of time in one of our reviews kind of breaking down this Forbes review. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That was fun. And one of the things that like really struck me about that, was like I like and like I said I get it like all jokes aside this this show is not for everybody season right. one is not for everybody this is like a much darker True Detective is just dark yeah and that's not for everybody and I I get that we're all entitled to our opinions I'm already seeing reviews of Dune two that it's either the greatest movie ever made or oh my god it looked great, but that took fucking forever. So it's like, I'm already starting to see like the, the variations of opinions on that. Sure. But the one thing that struck me about that review that we spent so long kind of uh, breaking down was he was like, the show takes place in like 30 days of night and there's no stars in the sky. And like, uh, why can't we see Aurora Borealis? Yeah. And yeah. then during this episode, I like 
frantically message you. I was like, there are stars. Yes. And Aurora Borealis. Fuck you, Forbes guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Revenge all around, man. This The haters are paying the price. It was just like, it, because like, if that is your cheap, if that's like one of your cheap complaints, then like, what are you even doing? Yeah. And, the and fact that's something that it that, ended the way it did made me made me very happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's something we can kind of unpack because I like this episode. I like the way that everything was resolved. However, I think about like what they're trying to say with the show and is there a sort of an agenda behind it? I want to get to that in a little bit. But right now I want to talk about the Salal guys. So we find out who killed Annie Kay. We find out who killed the Salal guys. And we also find out that Salal, they weren't as innocent as you'd think. In the last episode, they talked about the fact that they were fudging their numbers about the pollution that the mines were causing. In this episode, they reveal that these guys actually wanted them to pollute Ennis even more. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we, over the course of these discussions, we were doing that fantasy booking and we were kind of trying to predict things. I would never have predicted that in a million years, that the, scientists were like yeah pollute the town more and so there's this whole agenda of um you know the scientists for the greater good are willing to kill off a whole city of people i mean i know I it's a little hamlet i i think that's a fascinating discussion of uh, like almost a machiavellian discussion right. of like what at the end of the day what is ennis alaska right and if we killed everyone there or forced every one of those people to move because right. the water was black, right? would it be worth it to find this microbe that can be a potential future cure for diseases? And that's a, a very Machiavellian question. And... Uh, there are, are, you know, greatest good for the greatest many, this and that. Um, I, I, I And like the fact that Annie Kay was kind of like a stand-in for the town at that point, where it's like, yeah, like it's worth killing her to continue to do this research. Yes. Uh, I... I, I, um, I, Chris has an amazing quote that I want to pop on here in a second, but I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what you were saying. Um, I saw this quote today that said, history that isn't uncomfortable is just propaganda, right? And I was thinking about how so many people have had issues with movies in the past year, and they have issues with uh, Isa Lopez um, because of like her political views and like some of her quotes. This year, we've had like Killers of the Flower Moon. We've had this. Um, I think that her movie, Tigers Are Not Afraid, they all kind of deal with this idea of um, like indigenous people or, or people in a certain area not mattering. Like there's all these w women and children that are- talks about that too. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much, they right? They like effectively move native tribes off of the land that they use to build uh, oh. Los, Los Alamos, right? Los Alamos? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I mean like, I, obviously, that's something that Isa Lopez thinks a lot about. It's in her first main movie. And then, um, you know, this as well. And it's a topic that makes people uncomfortable because we do kind of overlook these groups. Like, it's just not a part of our daily discussion, our daily discord. I mean, I'm on fucking two YouTube channels where I talk about, like, Batman and stuff. Or we talk about the, you know, next Scream sequel. 
But when we talk about these groups of people that live in these horrible, horrible conditions and uh, things can happen to them. In this show, their water is black. There's a crazy amount of stillborn births, you know. And so to think that this company, Salal, actually wanted to make it worse just so that everyone could benefit eventually, it really it goes with that idea. Now, um, I have any case killers as the, the ticker. I want to just make one point that I want to do Chris's awesome quote. But basically, um, what I want to talk to you about is it seems like the show has one murder where it's a bunch of men killing one woman. Then it has another murder where it's the same bunch of men killed by a bunch of women. And that was something that Sherry and I talked about after we watched the episode. Um, it's just the idea of like, you know, did it have to be just women that killed these guys? Let's, let's go into the details about the Salal. I mean, Annie's killers. Before we do that, though, look at this, what Chris just dropped. Nick Pizzolatto is the Madam Web of showrunners. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> I, I kind of wish Chris was here just talking with us right now, too. Um, uh, I could always send yeah. him the link if he wants to join. But um, so, so Danny, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about Annie Kay's killers. What do you what do you think of that scene when Annie Kay is murdered? I I mean it again. It's uh, it's brutal. It 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 doesn't. It wasn't something like premeditated as much as it was just reactionary. Yeah. But it's like one of those things that it's like once it starts, you you can't. I take it back and, and, and it's, and, and it, 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 you could tell that things were spiraling out of control uh, for them. One thing I'll say is you mentioned that it was uh, a bunch of women killed a bunch of guys. I don't even know if we could say that they did. They, they pointed the guns at them. They forced them to take their clothes off and they forced them to march out into the, but like, that you see them kind of disappear into the the snow but they're not like shot and killed or so like how are we defining murder right like annie k was murdered she was stabbed repeatedly with this like tool and then suffocated uh to death right um whereas they were just kind of like marched out onto the ice it reminded me of the scene in dark knight rises where oh uh, yes where he's like, you know, like we could kill you or you could walk out onto the ice and then like the guys just like fall in and that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's with the scarecrow. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so, hold on. My mom just walked in and I don't want to ruin the show for her. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, shit, how do I talk about... We're literally talking about the killers of the show. <laughs> um, but anyway, oh, she's, she's leaving. I, I just have to put some stuff in the refrigerator. Or put stuff in the refrigerator. I'm sorry. And, no, it's okay. It's okay. Anyway, uh, Danny. It's let's okay. See. Hi, Grace. <laughs> Danny says hi, by the way. Hello. Yeah. Talk to him about six instead. Uh, episode six is the last episode. Anyway, we're doing a live recording oh, on YouTube right now. I mean, six with his daughter. Oh, okay. Any, anyway, um, so great. as I was saying, the uh, – fuck, I'm trying to think of how I talk my way around this. Um, so, okay. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> oh, just that, uh, you know, one was a very clear murder. The other is kind of like forcing people 
into a position where they're going to die, but not actually murdering. Okay, okay good, good. She left, and now I have something to say to that. Okay, so anyway, basically, uh, the show, like, I like that nothing was like, oh, it's a monster. At one point, I got really, really scared when they were doing the flashback to the scene in the lab, and he's going down the hatch into the little underground area. I was like, oh, shit. It is like, are they going to show what happens to the guys above? And is there going to be some kind of like swirling black kind of, you know, house on Haunted Hill shit up there? I was really worried about that. And then when it was just like, no, it's just, you know, women that work in the town. I, I actually preferred that. Now, the way that they executed that scene, there was something about that scene that bothered me a lot. Like the, the, they did this sort of like shrieking kind of noise. It was like a sort of like a native uh, song that they were playing. And it just kind of seemed like a little over the top when the women confronted them. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on it too. But what I just really liked was there was no fucking supernatural monster. Now, Sherry and I kind of had this debate over, well, did, did the creature, the, the thing that's awakened, it was did that take them in the ice? And I was like, well, it's ambiguous where you could just say they just ran away and froze to death. Whereas... You know, other people could say, no, this like monster got them out there. What 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 are you, what's your thought? Oh, look who's joining us. Look at this. Holy shit. Oh man. How does hey. oh, boy. What's hey, up? The tickers still work on the bottom, too. That's awesome. Okay. Welcome to the show. Very Chris. nice. What's up, guys? Look at you two handsome fucks. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Future boy Chris, speaking of handsome, oh. uh, we were just talking about the killers of both. The murders in the show. Hold on, my my bathroom is in view of the the background. I know it's not psycho, <laughs> it's psycho, right? We're allowed to show toilets now. Yeah, yeah. go nuts, man. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. With with YouTube standards, though, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. It's getting a little weird. You can't curse on <laughs> this shit anymore. Uh, so so Chris, what did you think about the the two answers for the two murders? I love that this show. I, I love that the show rode the line, rode the spiritual line, rode the supernatural line. And really, in the end, you think it's going to be a show that is um, it, it's going to leave you guessing. But I think it's pretty clear when you finish it that this show wants you to think how you want to think about it. It gives practical answers and it gives supernatural answers and it lets you live in both worlds. I thought that was very cool and totally on brand for uh, Issa Lopez. Right. Just like yeah. Tigers are Not Afraid. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just going to say the, the ending of this, it very similar in like Tigers are Not Afraid obviously has overt supernatural things in it, but it also like wraps things up in a way where you're, you're kind of answering questions where like where Pete and I, we were like, yeah, you know, it could be that, you know, it's just like that she died. And now that's like the doorways going to, you know, it, it, where it, there's ambiguities. Uh, but it's, it's on brand for Issa Lopez, but I think it's also on brand for true detective just based on like season one, which also had a very human killer who you met early in the season yeah uh, without realizing it but then also has like some like fucking weird supernatural shit of like who is the yellow king who is the like uh, carcadia what was the, the um 
Wasn't that like that? Oh, yeah, one? yeah. I'll look Carcosa. it up. Carcosa, that's and, right. And if, and if I could just say something to the, to the people who love this season and the people that are on Twitter or X or Weber or fighting – you know, arguing against people like uh, Nick Palazzo and like, like we won. You won. Like, like she's helming. Issa Lopez is helming season five. This is the the highest rated season, correct? Yes. And so clearly, people hung in there. They loved what was being shown to them every week. Don't make your entire day arguing with assholes who essentially lost like they didn't you know it's like i wasted so much time arguing with people about prometheus and how physics work and how a <laughs> hula hoop shaped object you're gonna want to run directly in front of it because right. when it loses momentum it's only gonna fall to the left or right when they were like why didn't they just run to the left or right i'm like ah physics what do you know <laughs> You know, right. but I'm like, I'm like, this season is super successful. People are really enjoying the performances and where the story went. I'm like, if you're enjoying it, you're winning. Why waste your time arguing with these idiots? Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. I, I agree. It kind of reminds me of like uh, the Chris Stuckman thing that you guys all shared, right? Where there, there just seems like in general, people just dogpile, right? Oh, oh, we don't like this. We're all going to dogpile on something. And then it just becomes this you know, black and white argument. And, and uh, man, don't ever go on the fucking True Detective Reddit because that's the worst place for it. I get updates from it for some reason. And everyone's always like, this is trash. This season makes no sense, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I I saw a couple of issues that I had throughout the show. But in general, I, I really liked it. Uh, and I the things that people would criticize, that wasn't the issue that I had with the show. I, you know? I, I, I think that, I, and like you made a point earlier, Pete, about like the reasons why people are like attacking, like whatever they're attacking, whether it's the Marvels or or this, and and it's like it, I feel. Oh, you and you brought up like the indigenous people and like Killers of the Flower Moon and and other big films this year, and it's like we face this just as like as a history teacher, where it's like you look at like the curriculum and it's like. I've had this conversation with like coworkers of mine where I was like, man, I, I can't wait to like use Killers of the Flower Moon to like help teach about the Osage Indians in the 1920s because like there's there's a thing called the Dawes Act in 1880 something and it's like after that in the 1880s it's like, well, well, that's it. Native Americans are on reservations. They're done for American history. And it's like, oh, well, it's 2024 now. Oh, my God. It's 2024 uh, Danny's off the reservation now. <laughs> Danny says the most insightful, most profound thing, and the internet's like, nope, get out of here. <laughs> oh, he's back. Okay. As we know, we were saying, Danny, that's what you get for being insightful and profound. The internet's like, get that shit out of here. Yes. Wait, he's going to teach more about the indigenous? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Nick Palazzo, are you in the chat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Censorship in real like, time. I, Holy I, shit. So my my before I, I I ramble more, it's just like, you know, this show had a lot of things for the haters to jump on. It it was two female detectives in a show created by 
a, a, a woman. You had the indigenous storyline. You had an environmental storyline. So these are all like hot button issues that like people don't have opinions about, but will make it <laughs> so that they yeah. hate a show yeah. Yeah. because yeah. of it. You know, Danny, you know that meme of uh, Vince McMahon where it's like, you know, it shows him getting excited in the chair and then his eyes eventually glow. <laughs> All the haters are like, oh, two women? Oh, yeah. the woman indigenous? show creator? Yeah, indigenous? He's like, oh, you know, they're just like so fucking excited. Glowing, with the glowing this. eyes. Yes, yes. Um, but let, let's, let's bring it back to the actually what happens in the episode itself. So... Blair, right? As you said, that's another thing reference. Yeah. Last episode, you and I, Danny, we were like just speculating about how it could be her. And then, of course, there's the reveal on that hatch door. There's a three finger handprint, right? So I will right. say, because when you brought this up to me last week, th this could not have been further from my mind. Right. But I, I think Chris had mentioned, like, this is like totally what true detective does where they introduced us to the yellow king in like episode one mowing a lawn right and, when, and then like you come back to him six and a half episodes later and he's the killer and you're like oh shit i remember that guy like that's gonna really fuck up matthew mcconaughey right. and <laughs> like i completely like wrote off that like scene um in the butcher uh where you meet blair and the other woman there and i'm like and so like when you brought that up last week i was like okay if it's this so what i was nervous about was like that this one woman with eight fingers was going to have killed the salal guys somehow herself and i was like is she yeah. like some is she like this super powered like powered yeah. by a microbe under the sea like, right so i like that the reveal was yes she was involved but she was like a part of something bigger and it wasn't like right. she just went and killed everybody <laughs> right right so were you guys satisfied with that that like because for me seeing these women and they did a little montage where like the one woman discovers the hatch right then they do the thing where there's another woman that works at the police station and she finds all these files on annie k it kind of shows them sort of building a case against the salal guys i like that a lot but there was something kind of over the top about when they came and got the guys i told you that like sort of the musical choice sort of put me off a little bit and then also sherry and i were saying why does it have to be all women? Like, aren't there men in the town that were suffering too because of Salal? Like, it, it, to me, that feels like, well, we have to make a statement that it's the women getting the revenge. It's the women that are the unseen ones. Whereas I think it'd be like more realistic if in that group that attacked, it could be mostly women, but that you had some men too. What, what did you guys think of that sequence? Um, I mean... Here's the thing. I, I, I love Issa Lopez. Obviously, Tigers are not afraid. Um, but And I've, I've been following her since that film, and she's very outspoken, and she's an outspoken feminist, and that's fine. And I agree with a lot of the things she says majority of the time. But one thing she said um, to me once, and I, I mean, it's I think it's only a flaw depending upon where you fall 
on on uh, you know or if you're on one side you're on the other you're in the middle but I, she said something years ago that always stuck with me and it was in terms of um far left ideology like real like you know just like uh, you know uh just like ultra progressive and she made a statement about how sometimes things that are super woke or far left or or ultra progressive it's an, an overcorrection is necessary hmm. to if things are if you feel like things are too far on one side an overcorrection to drag it back to a more balanced place is necessary and i thought wow this is not someone i might completely agree about everything with but i understand that ideology i understand i don't agree with it entirely but i do understand it so i could see how someone like her a creative force like that would just say like listen this is you know uh, uh you know we we're we're gonna it's gonna be all women because we want to show how women band together i guess it's almost a call back to the um the, the birthing the the birthing scene oh okay sure you sure. know yeah. like you know and and i didn't really i didn't think much of it and i'm usually very cognizant of stuff like that right. so i think that's a testament uh to you know uh me being just totally engrossed in what was going on that i i really didn't think much of it being all women yeah yeah Interesting. i i i kind of agree with everything Chris just said in the sense that like there wasn't a moment while I was watching that scene where I, where it, it, I thought to myself, well, they wouldn't be able to do this. They also all had guns, which right, is right. very helpful when you want to scare <laughs> anybody of right. any gender, right. like just yeah. have large guns. Um, <laughs> but I, I did kind of think, back to a lot of things in the show and there is a lot of gender segregation shown throughout this series it's not like something that just showed up in this last episode like you mentioned the birthing yeah. scene uh but there's also that like when they go to where they find the rock uh they go to like that that indigenous place where like the law doesn't matter anymore and that's like almost exclusively men uh like Aside from like the waitresses, it seemed like the bar was all men. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is a, you know, this is again we're talking about Ennis, Alaska. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of indigenous people there, so there there is probably a lot of like cultural segregation that exists, and so it didn't. And like I, I'm again, just to go back to like I rewatched like that first scene where you see Blair and the other woman being questioned, and it's like only women worked at that factory. Yeah. So it's like it it didn't jump out as something strange to me that it was all women, especially since they're reacting to a woman's death who they know yeah. and who they were friends with and who was a member of their you know tribe, and and it it just. It, yeah. it it kind of made sense and it it I didn't feel like I you know I always quote Chris's point about like how that when you start nit nitpicking things it means you're not fully invested and like that wasn't something that I nitpicked. You know, I kind of want to take that point, Danny, and kind of riff on it a little bit too, because like the main characters in this show, Navarro and Danvers, they 
if we were watching this like 10 years ago or certainly earlier than that, they would be two male characters and they could have the exact same personalities as male characters. And I think that everyone would just be like, yeah, that's the way that these male cops are on a show like this, you know, cause you have Danvers who just basically like has sex with everyone. Right. And so she's kind of like that, 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 that guy, that male character that like sleeps around and then she's a badass. She's always saying, ask the right questions, you know, and then she's drinking a lot. She has all these issues. Navarro has this kind of tortured past and she like, has no problem getting physical with any the men that she takes on. She has that one guy who she has her like, you know, booty calls with. And, you know, they kind of fit these male detective character archetypes. And then the way that the show ends, it's not with them. Yeah, there is violence against Clark and they do find him in the lab and, and sort of torture him a little bit. But ultimately the way the episode ends, the whole story ends is with them kind of, coming to terms with each other, with their past, with their trauma. It's like just two women having to be together and like literally keep each other warm. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it, the way that the story ends, it's not this big violent thing where there's a shootout and they have to find the killer and shoot them or something like that. It's just them kind of dealing with the aftermath and dealing with their own personal trauma. So I think that's a really interesting thing where you talk about the gender roles and, uh, it's almost like that's the way that women resolve it in this situation. That's interesting. It, it's also kind of funny how, like, if you if you just, you know, you said, like, if you go back 10 years, the, there'd probably be two male leads. Well, if you go back 10 years of True Detective to 2014. There you go. You basically have, like, the cop who likes to fuck everybody. That was Woody Harrelson. Right. And you have, like, the, the badass, like, with the dark past who, like, comes up with, with like weird philosophies on life that's navarro which that was matthew mcconaughey right so and and that season ends with the two of them like in the hospital and then like we like you know keeping each other warm so to speak as they like leave the hospital like uh what's his name matthew mcconaughey he's got like a knife deep in his like chest and he's got to be like cradled by woody harrelson in the last episode yeah so like Again, like, all jokes about the, the original creator aside, I, I do think that there were a lot of subtle connections aside from the spiral and some of the quotes. I do think there was a lot that connected this back to season one in just the tone of the leads and their relationship and everything else. Well, that brings up a great point. Chris, I kind of wanted to ask you this one. Do you think that this without the true detective label if it was just called night country do you think that this would have almost as many viewers and as much of a buzz about it because i mean think of like mayor of east town that's not any kind of franchise that was a big hit for hbo once again female lead right kate uh winslet um you know because i was thinking about that one you said quotes danny there's that part where uh clark says time is a flat circle and that kind of also rubbed me the wrong way, too, because I was like, oh, that kind of feels like a Marvel movie or like a comic book movie. Sort of like, let's reference this thing. It didn't like feel like it, it like landed right. What did you think about the connections, Chris? And could the show have stood on its own without those connections? I think that uh, normally I would say that it would it would have needed the True Detective banner to get the numbers it got and get and get the attention that it got. But 
you know, it's not TV, it's HBO. There you go. You know what I mean? Like right. there's, I mean, there's a reason why people, you know, HBO, Max, those labels are synonymous with quality. So many, arguably, there is not another, another channel, another service that produces more original quality content. So I think if it was just called Night Country and you had Jodie Foster in there, clearly in like an investigative role, which is so reminiscent of her one of her most famous roles that would have been enough to draw people in for sure yeah yeah um, uh when, when you said uh you know like it's like a marvel movie like taking the quote you mean like if if we are responsible we will have full oh, power oh yeah madam webb go check out mon and danny's review with brian on comic books transform <laughs> for madam webb that's a good example of okay. It doesn't matter if it's man or woman, whoever's involved. That's just a train wreck in itself. Listen, I haven't seen Madam Web, but I'm gonna make an assumption that this was made purely just to keep the rights, right? It feels I, like it. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would have to imagine that. That's yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a crime though. You'll see. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> will I though? Oh, oh yeah, you probably won't. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just don't bother, man. Don't bother. Um. So. With this being said, I, you know, we were talking about the supernatural versus the logical answers. Any case, tongue was in that lab. Ah, I was waiting for. I'm like, I'm like, bring up the tongue. Like, if you haven't already, I need to. We got to talk about this. Yes, that's what I usually say on my dates. Bring up the tongue. So, what? Um, why was her tongue at the lab? Who put the tongue at the lab? You guys want to give me your answers? Your fantasy booking. Um. I'm going to, well, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not going to pretend that I have these ideas because immediately after I was looking up, you know, you want to know what people are thinking. You want to know what the buzz and the vibe is. And I think immediately after the episode aired, Variety, Variety put out an article with Issa Lopez. And um, she basically just said, like, you know, I like the tongue is completely open to interpretation, but I wanted it to be open to interpretation in the world of practicality and logic and open to interpretation in the world of, you know, supernatural and, and spirituality. And she had mentioned that, um, you know, if you lean more on the supernatural end, that NEK left her own tongue there. That That's and kind of where, that's kind of what I was on. My thought was they, they didn't go supernatural with, what killed the Salal guys? They didn't go supernatural with what killed Annie K. I I still come back to Clark, like having like a fucking seizure and then stopping and going, she's awake. And to me, that was like the some kind of supernatural force of Annie K kind of summoning the other women like because the other because now that you know in the scope of the story th those other women are like outside about to break in and like grab everybody and clark like makes a beeline for the hatch so that for me felt like it was annie k haunting him specifically as like her former love interest who he betrayed and her leaving her own tongue there as like a a symbol of like 
you know, that it's because of her that this is about to happen. Mm. And then like the women bur like bust in and guns blazing and grab the men they can and take them to, you know, the ice shelf where they're going to freeze to death. Well, yeah. what did you what did you guys think about the comment that um, I don't know her name, Blair's friend, when uh, when <laughs> yeah. she asked about the tongue, she says, "That's not our story." Yeah, I, I feel like that at least alludes to that they don't know how that got there. I'm going to offer up a third alternative to what you guys said for the tongue, and I'm going to offer the like logical, non kind of supernatural answer that I, I was thinking, uh, which is that Hank is one of the first people on the scene when they go to the station, right? And I was thinking that, like, he hears that there's something out at the Salal station, these guys are missing, he thinks something happened to them. I think that the way the show ends, they try to portray Hank as a guy that has remorse over his actions and what he's done. And I think that Hank literally left the tongue there so that they could pick it up and connect it to the Annie Kay murders, you know? Mine probably, ironically, sounds the most far fetched out of all the ones that we no, just did. No, I, I don't. I don't think so at all. I think yeah. it. I think it. Honestly, I think it's the most practical answer. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I like. I like that sure. he suggests that a human being took a physical object and put it in a physical location, and he's like, "That's the most unrealistic idea." Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. That, I'm yeah, like, that... it was the ghost of the woman <laughs> who left her own tongue. <laughs> And Pete's like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, Danny. I, I'll just, I'll just repeat myself. Oh I'm my just God. glad that we didn't have some kind of house on haunted hill. The girl Blair in a floating black cloud, and she places the tongue on the ground. I'm just glad we did not have that. <laughs> it's so specific. Yes. Yeah. So, so Je Jeffrey Rush just floats out <laughs> and drops the tongue Chris and floats Kattan. back in. Yeah. Chris Kattan. Perfect. So, oh man. So I love that fucking movie too. But let's um let, let's kind of wrap it all up. And, and I wanted to ask you guys the other main question, which is: Is that Navarro or Navarro's ghost at the end? Um, I feel like I I don't know if it's really a ghost. I feel like it's this um, you know, Navarro a couple times goes to almost like this world world in between worlds. Mm -hmm. you know, when she touches hands and, and I feel like, I'm like, if you're going to ask me off the top of my head, I feel like that's where she is. I feel like she's almost in like the further, you know? Oh, okay. The further like the is upside down. Right, right, right. The furthest from uh, Insidious, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I like that answer. Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like she needed to walk out like almost like her sister did to like cleanse herself. Oh, there's the cat. <laughs> and uh she just came out of the closet. I mean not like that, but she was sleeping <laughs> in the closet. She was <laughs> yes. But I don't I don't I don't know. I it it also could be that Jodie Foster, because Jodie Foster is also you know, she's had dreams of her lost son right. uh, who passed away and she's had dreams of like, I, I guess her ex-husband. And so it could just be like a way for them to kind of be together, like 
like have closure together while not being together, if that makes any Wait, sense. Side note, because I have to bring this up, and you guys know me, and you know I fixate on moments like this. Can we just acknowledge how much of a fucking juggernaut Jodie Foster is to... Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm not just gonna act, I'm not just gonna grieve. I'm gonna grieve through hypothermia. Yeah. And you're gonna believe it. Like I'm sitting there going, like, holy shit, I believe that she's grieving right now, like really for the first time, grieving the loss of her son through on just being on the verge of death. Yeah. Like just an absolute powerhouse. Totally agree. Uh, you know. The thing is, right, because she's such a big actor and because Navarro and Danvers are such big stars, it, it overshadows the talent that's been on this show. Like, I think the guy that plays Peter is really, really good. And then I am such a big fucking fan of Fiona Shaw. And I thought she was really oh. good in this episode, too, right? Dude, her, her mon she's got a monologue in Andor that oh, is yeah, like yeah. for yeah. the ages. I mean, everyone's got a monologue in Andor that is right. for the ages. Right, right. And, and so, yeah, I know what you're saying about Jodie Foster, though. I mean, that's the beauty of this show is that there are these moments for everyone to shine. And, and you're absolutely right. That moment when her and Navarro are together in the uh, lab and they, they're sitting by the fire. I mean, it, like even her face looks like skeletal after she's been in the fucking water, too. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I mean, they really were lucky to have her on this show and like just to, to be the fucking lead. And then I think Navarro even too, like considering that Danny said in the beginning of this episode, you know, she's a fucking fighter on a boxer, right? And I think Yeah, I, I had no idea yeah. until a couple days ago. And you know what? She wasn't the first couple episodes. I'm looking at Denise for watching and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not I'm oh, not really? feeling it. I'm not feeling it. And then gradually I'm like, Yep, this is the right choice. This is what this character is supposed to be. It worked. It worked in the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I was worried about the show just because it was such a talked about thing and because there was such a buzz on, you know, Reddit and YouTube and Twitter and stuff. And I think ultimately I'm like satisfied with the ending. So, Chris, I was going to ask you, have you watched True Detective seasons two or three? Oh, no, I've seen them all. Okay. So yeah. do, do uh, seasons two and three have any kind of supernatural aspects to them or no? Uh, no. No, two two is very um, two, which is uh, listen. I'll be honest. I don't think any of them are bad, but I I'm gonna say two is definitely the weakest with yeah, a great yeah. cast: Vince Vaughn, Colin yeah. Farrell, Rachel McAdams. But two, I I'd say two and three are definitely they lean harder on. The, I'm not sure if there's a supernatural element in either of those. I don't think there is. Two leans more into a. Oh my god, this cat's right. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, hi, how are you? Let's, let's, I know. Um, so, so I know, I know. Uh, two leans more into a, uh, like more of like a mafia aspect. And three, if you just want like a, like a great, almost like a mind hunter, like a good, legit, true, true crime like season, that's, that's three with, uh, Mahershala Ali and a performance from Stephen Dorff that I honestly not only did not think he was capable of at that stage in his career, but maybe ever. Like, it's probably one of the best things he's ever done. Damn, man. Okay, okay. That I, season, I think I think season three is really good. Yeah. I didn't even know Stephen Dorff was in that fucking season. That's awesome. I, I actually like him a lot, you know? Yeah. Fucking yeah. Ju Judgment Night. Yeah, there you go. That too. That too, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, but it's funny because I'm actually not that interested in going into two and three. I was watching two a little while ago just to kind of fill in the gap. And now after Nick Pizzolatto's responses, I'm, I'm kind of turned off, honestly, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, Danny, what do you think overall? Like, because you really love that first season. Side by side, what do you think about these two shows? Uh, I think they're very different uh, while being weirdly similar. Uh, you know, they. I, I think season one for me was just fantastic uh i i i really liked some of like the lovecraftian stuff there was like the whole like uh it it really just hit on everything that i kind of love it like hinted at like lovecraftian uh mythos it hit there was like a cult there was a conspiracy it's like you put all those things together and it's like making like the perfect show like i watched all eight episodes of season one in two days yeah and fucking loved every minute of it uh this season i had to watch week to week and like i would have like when this episode ended i was like Pete, can you record at 11 o'clock at night, New York times Sunday? Yeah. And Pete was like, Thursday. (laughs) So, so like, I, I felt I, the only difference is that when each episode ended, I was like really excited to talk about each of these episodes. Right. But, I also, I, I don't feel like, like a few days go by. I watch a few movies. I go to the movie theater. I see David Lynch is doing for the first time. And yeah. I like little, like, I don't want to say I start to forget things, but like, I'm like remembering as I'm talking sometimes about yeah. the show. Whereas like part season one also, again, because I watched it in such a short period of time, I feel like I liked it a little bit more. Yeah. But Could you, uh, yeah. Could you imagine if as that, far as okay. as far as the mystery, the 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 supernatural slash horror twists that we got in this season, the acting, Issa Lopez, yeah, uh, this was like if season one was a ten out of ten, this was like a good nine. Okay, that that's really well put. Yeah, I, I see. Yeah. Could you imagine if that first season was like made in a foreign country and it had sharks in it? Like Danny would just be ejaculating spirals like every episode, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I actually watched the new shark movie this week, uh, No Way Up, uh, about the plane that crashes. It's like sharks in a plane. Is that on? Is that on Tubi? I rented it on VOD. Wow! And by the way, I love that Tubi's giving like everyone a run for their money with original content. So I, I'm such a fucking nerd that not only do I, I tally up every movie that I watch during the year, but I also, I, I started for this year, especially tallying where I watched the movie. <laughs> so right now through February 20, whatever today is the 21st or second, um, to is right now it's movie theater is number one and to is number two. Like oh, I've watched wow. more movies on Tubi than any other, e- any of the streaming services that I pay for. And I've watched more movies on Tubi. 
That's that's a fucking plug right there. Take they are, yeah, Tubi's just Tubi's. I mean, really, I I don't know how they do it. Like, it, they're just littered with. It's just they have like great genre. They have like every genre documentary you love. Like all the horror documentaries. There's a great Lovecraft documentary from a few years ago that's on there. It just it just absolutely insane. And the amount the amount of like. B movie gold, not even B movie, like C and B movie gold. Like, oh yeah, like I, they had like all the full moon movies, uh, tons of like low budget '80s movies that like you might remember a VHS box for, but like yeah. you have not seen in 25 years. Like, I don't need an excuse to put on Taurus Trap, and it's always on there, so I watch it probably once a month. Well, you know, once we get to a point where we're shelling for Tubi, that's wrong, right? (laughs) Considering that we usually shell for uh, Shudder on this Mike Flanagan-themed podcast that we have. But anyway, it has been a fucking blast. Chris, I love when you come on the show because you bring this great energy to it. Guys, if you haven't checked out Chris's channel, I love his black Oh yeah, I love that. I love that Pete's like because Pete's really like, oh my god, this clown has got a couple in him. He keeps commenting. We're just gonna have to have him on, or else yeah. he's gonna keep bothering us. Just, just get in here. Just get in here. Yeah, it's like Applebee's all over again. Just, oh, you know, I put man. a few winter loggers in him, and he's just intolerable. Oh man, <laughs> give me some fucking mozzarella sticks. We're good to go. But uh, Danny, I'm gonna do the plug real quick so that we can get on to our next review too. Chris, stick around because I want to ask you about that too. But, um, yeah, we got Deep Red coming up right after this review. We're doing the 1975 Argento film. And then uh, besides that, Danny's got some shorts up on the channel. We also have a movie that we got a screener for that I just started watching, really digging. Uh, I'm not going to reveal it yet because I'm not unsure if we're allowed to. But, guys, thank you so much for our Night Country views. And please let us know what you thought of the finale. Danny, you want to say goodbye to everybody? Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, like you said, I, I have some shorts uh, on my body. And on the <laughs> I was going to say, in that closet <laughs> over there. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, uh, Screenbox put out this freaking hilariously ridiculous splatter movie called Here for Blood. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And it's got some amazing practical gore effects. So that's worth checking out if you have like 100 spare minutes uh lisa frankenstein i have a short for that up also yeah. well worth going to check that out uh yeah cool That's- well yeah so as you can see guys danny's always putting out videos so make sure you subscribe to the lasso cast and we will see you guys real soon nice